have your Bibles, we're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, and I'm concluding uh, the Purple U series. Purple U is American slang, uh, urban slang, actually, for I love you. And uh, we just had Valentine's Day, which, to be honest with you, is not my favorite holiday. I think primarily because it's in the month of February. I just have a hard time with anything but the Winter Olympics in February. <laughs> and I guess, you know, Valentine's Day is a good reminder to love one another. So after watching the Olympics in China, uh, I'm telling you what the world needs now is love, love, love from people. I want to read Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 9, 10, 11, and 12, and pray. I found a great passage that the Lord laid on my heart. He said, uh, but beloved, that's, that's you and me up here in this church house. He said, we're confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, and that you do not become sluggish, but he said, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let's pray. Father, this morning I just thank you for the Holy Spirit that's here with us. We are grateful for the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, for people's hearts and minds to be awakened, to come open. I thank you for just a penetrating word from the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would grow. Thank you for your love being demonstrated and poured out in our lives in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. You know, Elizabeth and I have a uh, uh, very friendly, uh, outspoken three-year-old named Abigail. And Abigail is in this little phase where she's demanding to have a hug and a kiss when people leave the house. So this morning, it was like three times on the way out. Uh, and and uh, strangers, I mean, she'll, she'll scream at him, hug and a kiss! That's what she wants. So, uh, At first, it's fun, but after four of those, you kind of get wore out. So, you know, Thursday morning, after she spilled her cereal on the floor, she then demanded toast. And uh, I, I cleaned it up. I kept on cooking because I'm cooking breakfast for people in the house. And that is a labor-intensive job. Did you know that? Like raising children... And cooking for them. I thank God for my wife, Elizabeth. She left me one time to go visit her family in Nova Scotia for a week. That was really exhausting, man. <laughs> Raising children, let me just say, like, working with people is what the Bible calls a labor of love. Oh, I like this passage of Scripture. It made me ask the question, what is it that makes love so labor-intensive? Why is love so laborious? Uh, here, the scripture refers to it. Look what it says here, verse number, verse number 10. It calls it work and labor of love. Now, that, that loving people is what the Bible likens to a labor. Like, like to love people, it, it's effort that has to come out of you. And that's like an oxymoron. You would think that it's easy to love people. You remember when you were engaged with your schmoopy schmoopy? And everything was just all, you know, sunshine and flowers. And, and, and I mean, so you would think that love would just be a natural, easy thing to do in people. But the Bible is filled with these apparent contradictions. I mean, the scripture says that you got to labor to love people. But it also says you got to work at resting. You got to really work at resting in faith. Uh, it tells us if you want to receive something, you first of all have to sow something. Scriptures 
tell us that if you want to be promoted, you have to, first of all, humble yourself. And so when we look at the Scriptures, you can see these contradictions. And, and, and loving people is, is really a labor. You know, it's, it's like when a woman gives birth, she goes into labor. And it's not easy, it's painful, but the love that is released is an incredible thing. So I just want to walk through the passage here and, and just highlight for you about love and, and what makes it so labor-intensive. So I'm, I'm in this ninth verse. We're going to break down the passage of Scripture. He said, Beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. That would be little O-Y-O-U sitting up here in this room. Everybody in the house... He said, he said, we're confident of things that accompany salvation. In other words, the evidence that you are a Christian and that you are saved is the fact that you're willing to love people and lay your life down for the breath. You're willing to, to have that labor. of It should be evident in your life. That's what accompanies salvation. And he tells us in verse 10 that God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name and that you have minister to the saints, and you keep on ministering to people. Now, here, here's the first thing I would say about why love is, is a labor. It's because serving somebody is often a struggle. Your service is not something that's always easy. So here it says that you have ministered to the saints. And, and that word ministry you know, literally means a service. It's when you are serving somebody. And the work of ministry involves people whose hearts are that of servants. It's, it's servanthood. So when Paul said it, you know, that he would go minister to the saints in Jerusalem, I mean, you, all, you think that's you know, fine and dandy, but a lot of times it's really not very glamorous. You think about Paul's missionary journeys, they weren't glamorous. We shouldn't have romanticized ideas about him being shipwrecked, beaten stone to go perform his ministry opportunities with people. Uh, serving can, can be this struggle with people because you're going to have to put forth the effort into serving people. Now, I remember when I was uh, interning at a church in Seattle, and they had the world-famous evangelist Reinhard Bonnke uh, come out to Seattle. Now, anyone who Reinhard Bonnke is? I mean, this man is responsible for winning more people to the Lord in the 21st century than any other evangelist. He would have crusades in Africa where he was literally seeing a million people get saved in one crusade. You got three million people there, six miles around, and a million of them. They documented. They had ways of checking up on them. And he had a heart for America, so you know, he was at a, a, a crusade hall, a little stadium like the Metro out in Seattle. And, and I remember I volunteered to work that event. We had to get up at you know, 6 in the morning on a Saturday. We were there all day working. I spent about 18 hours that day standing up, and by the end of that, my back was sore. Have you ever stood on cement for 18 hours? I remember like, oh my goodness, my back people were like, you know, do we need to pray for you? I said, no, I've just been standing on cement. Let me go home and go to bed. We'll be all right. <laughs> but it was an effort. You're going to have to put forth that effort if, if you're going to learn how to really labor in love for people. It, he, he says that you have ministered to the saints and that you do minister. And the reason why serving is sometimes a struggle is because it's continuous. It's something that you do and you keep on doing. It's one of those things that's just an ongoing activity. Now, at that same church I was interning out in Seattle, I remember um, they needed some help with the kids' ministry on a Wednesday night. 
And my buddy happened to be running it, so he said, man, I really need your help. So he wrote me in. And I remember after we played David and Goliath and they threw stuff at my head for a while, we started singing Father Abraham. You know, I mean, know that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Remember all that? Well, we ran out of uh, appendages. So we got to tongues. <laughs> I mean, we did that for a long, long time. Yeah. Because working with kids is like, you know, it's, it's continuous. I mean, there's no stop. One little kid ran out of the classroom and over to the golf course. I mean, there was no, it was, that, was a, that was a long, long shift working with those guys. <laughs> yeah. You know why uh, serving people sometimes is a struggle? Because it requires maturity on your part. Maturity. That's the context of Hebrews chapter 6. He, he's telling them that by this time, you all ought to be able to know the Bible. Instead, you need to have milk. So he's kind of rebuking them for their immaturity. You know what maturity really is? Is when you do things you don't particularly feel like doing. You ever been there? Now, I am enjoying winter, in this, this winter, all right? It's been kind of good. I don't mind getting snow. I mean, we're going to get hit with a blizzard later today, but... I mean, Wednesday was, you know, nice. How many of y'all remember Wednesday? We got a little snow, it was wet. And my wife got up, she said, hey, if I get the kids ready before we take them to school and come to, come to work here... She said, could you get me a latte? And I thought, well, if you get them up and we're out of here early because it's no joke to get all these kids, all right. So, you know, the, the, the coffee place is like, you know, less than a half a mile from our home. 25 minutes later, going through that snowy day where everybody else had the same idea to get a latte. I mean, my patience, my, my maturity level, I was just, I didn't want to go get her a coffee. I don't like doing that all the time, but she wanted a coffee in a cold day, so... That's what serving people is, isn't it? It's doing things you don't particularly feel like doing. I want to get up and get to work. I don't want to go wait 25 minutes in line for a $16 latte or whatever it was they call it. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm just... <laughs> Sometimes serving people is a struggle because it does not glorify you. It glorifies God. Think about what the verse said. It said that you have shown this labor of love towards His name. And I will tell you, there's not a lot of glamour in cleaning churches. There's not a lot of glory in working in the kids' department. That's something that you do for God. And this is why I think people have a hard time showing love, because what they really want is recognition rather than just being a servant and demonstrating love on behalf of Jesus. That's why it's a struggle and a labor. It goes against your, uh, your ego and your sense of entitlement and look at me. Yeah. So yeah, serving can be a struggle. But I'm telling you that the happiest people are servants. The happiest people are not the most successful people. The happiest people are those who are willing to help somebody else get what they want. Because when you help somebody get what they want, what they need, you always have your needs being taken care of, and you'll always feel fulfilled. So yeah, it's a struggle, but it's going to play great dividend. It will be a blessing in your life. That's the labor of love. It's the opportunity that comes to you every day. Speaking of daily, let me get to my next verse here in verse number 11. He said this, he said, uh, we, we desire that each one of you, see, every person should be a servant. Every person who's a believer is going to have to labor in love. Each of you show the same diligence, the same you know, work ethic of loving people, a full assurance of hope all the way to the end. And this is what 
I started thinking about this labor of love. It's because, you see, uh, diligence is a daily grind. It's it's something that takes place on a daily level. Every day you'll have the opportunity to be faithful, reliable, dependable, uh, all the way to the end. That would mean that you follow through with your commitments and you keep your word, and that is a way of demonstrating love. And this is actually what Jesus demanded from his disciples. Luke chapter 9. Jesus is telling them, if you want to be my disciple, he said, you better take up your cross and follow me daily. There's a daily following of God. Daily you're going to have to follow. Every day there's that opportunity. Now, I found out that there's a difference between a work ethic and between diligence or faithfulness. You know, sometimes, you know, people will show up at a job and, and they can be, you know, really good and, and have a good attitude and they can be good in public, but their private affairs, their personal moments, they really have a hard time following through with certain commitments. I, I've just discovered that. I've seen people work hard, but on personal things, they lack faithfulness. And, and that's what diligence is. Diligence is this daily grind we're talking about. It's daily. That's why I'm a believer in daily devotions. Man, I believe that's the greatest thing you could do to keep that walk with God alive and ongoing and thriving. And I like reading through the one-year Bible on a daily plan. And right now we are in Leviticus, and this is where the going gets tough. You know, when you're in Leviticus chapter 7, reading about you know, the feasts. But I, I, I have a discipline of daily reading the Scriptures because it keeps my walk alive with God. Yeah. Think about the daily habits you have. One of my favorite daily habits is getting up early in the morning going to the gym. Love that. Uh, daily, uh, I, I try to eat dinner early at like 4 o'clock because Elizabeth and I are trying to keep our petite figures. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, daily, you're going to have opportunities to, to do things with people. There's, there's daily habits you get into. I mean, uh, you know, I, I show up every day working a job. Uh, I'm working on a remodel in my house. And sometimes when I can't quite get everything done, I just try to do one thing a day. It's a daily thing. You have the opportunity to love people on a daily basis. Every day, there's an opportunity for you to express love, like cleaning up cereal for toddlers and getting your wife a latte. Uh, These are daily opportunities. You know what I try to do on a daily basis when I'm around somebody is I try to identify the best qualities that they have. I, I try to live in such a way where I'm expressing love as much as I can, identifying good qualities in people. As just a discipline, a personal habit of mine. It's something I try to do on a daily basis. Now, you know, diligence is one of those things that the Bible says will be rewarded. The hand of the diligence, Scripture says, will make rich. Jesus said in Matthew 25 that if you're faithful in little things, he'll make you rule over many things. And what I found out, like when he's, Jesus is talking there in Matthew 25, it's about money, the parable of the talents. And money is one of those things that it has this residual rate of return. If you sow it, you'll reap it. This is how investment strategies work, okay? So retirement accounts use the principle of compound interest. It's a multiplying factor, so you can have enough put away for retirement. And I found that love operates the same way. And when I give love, it is reciprocated back to me. Think about what Jesus said. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men put into your bosom. So when you give love to people, you will reap it back in unprecedented ways. You know, one of the ways that I'm reaping 
the love of God in my life right now is this internal sense of security. Now, sometimes, you know, people get insecure about things or frustrated, and I'm just in this season where I feel the sense of God's love and His presence on an internal level that's so new and so fresh and wonderful in my life. And and it's the love of God at work. I'm reaping things that I have sown. I can sense it. I can feel it. I'm enjoying His love. See, love is is demonstrated through this uh, diligence all the way to the end. It's devoted. It's dedicated. It's going to finish what it started. When he said to the end, he is, of course, talking about the return of the Lord. Jesus did say in the last days that the love of many people is going to grow cold. So you can kind of see that taking place. I mean, you can see in the world there's this loveless culture. There's a lack of respect and honor, particularly right now. Rebellion is running rampant in our times. But I've decided I'm going to be a person who knows how to exhort one another daily as the day draws near. That's what the scripture says. By gathering together, we should exhort, we should lift up, we should bless each other. That's a way of demonstrating the love of God. When we're going firm to the end, that's like me and Elizabeth in our marriage. Because, you know, Elizabeth and I, we don't believe in divorce. Murder, maybe, but not divorce. I mean, <laughs> she was saying, you know, if, if, she passes, if, if I pass away, she said, I'm just going to go with you. <laughs> and we're going all the way to the end, man. That's what love is. Love is a commitment. And, and, and you, you got to love the brothers. you got to love one another all the way to the end. That keeps your love walk with God moving forward. Man, there's something about showing diligence and being dependable and being reliable and being faithful in little things that demonstrates the love of God. He wants you to do it all the way to the end. That's why loving people is laborious. you got to keep it up. Number, tw- or number, uh, number three here. Verse 12. Loaded verse right here. He, he said, we labor in love. And in doing that, he said, verse 12, that you do not become sluggish. Somebody say sluggish. 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 But he said, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, so let me make this point to you, that faith is a fight, and patience is oftentimes painful. This is why loving is laborious, because you're going to have to fight for it. You know, uh, faith and patience are like twins that work together. They work in conjunction and tandem, and it's hard to separate one from the other, every time I've had to believe God for something, just about every time, there's going to be some patience that's involved. Uh, it, it, it's a process that's getting worked out. Scripture says that faith is a fight. That's why Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, Paul also said in Romans chapter 12 that you have to be patient in tribulation. So sometimes it's not easy to be patient. Let, let me add more verses of Scripture to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love believes the best of other people, which does require faith, and sometimes is an effort. Now, I love this 12 verse. This verse is loaded. He he said, uh, see that you do not become sluggish. Do you know in the book of Hebrews, there's five warnings? You can almost trace the warnings throughout the book of Hebrews. He's going to warn us, Paul is, about certain dangers that people fall into. He talked about the danger of drifting or backsliding. Man, I watch people backslide. It's a very scary thing. He, he gives us a warning uh, about here being sluggish, lazy, apathetic. And this apathy can lead to an apostasy. 
He, he, he gives us uh, warnings against willful sin. I mean, I've seen people do that. When, when they willfully make decisions to sin, there's consequences with that. He, he warns us against the dangers of drifting away uh, and indifference in the faith and, and, and the warning against immaturity. Here he, he's describing this sluggishness is like a laziness and apathy. And I'm just telling you that apathy might be one of the greatest problems in culture today. In fact, they took a poll. They asked pastors, what's the greatest challenge you face at church? And 84% of pastors agreed that spiritual apathy might be the biggest problem with people. They're just not engaged spiritually. They just kind of sit back. When you're apathetic, you're not going to fight for promises to come to pass in your life. When you've got apathy, it's hard to be perseverant with people. And apathy is one of those things that it's, it's like, man, it's widespread in the culture. I like reading about uh, geopolitical stuff. You know that the Chinese invented the social media app called TikTok? Yeah. Uh, the Ch- you know why they do that? Is because, um, first of all, they want to collect data. But they also understand Americans have this big problem with ADD. So when you spend hours mindlessly scrolling through social media, what it's doing is breaking down people's resistance and perseverance. I- I'm just telling you, that's where a lot of the culture's at. You've got a lot of apathetic, lazy people who need to get their face into the book instead of being on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Like, like, the culture just creates this apathetic, you know, lack of resistance. That's where we are, man. So he's telling us here. He said, I don't want you to be sluggish. I don't want you to get lazy in your life. I, I want you to fight for the promises of God you know, and stay in love with him. Yeah. So he tells us, imitate. Imitate those. I like this. Imitate. That word means mimic. He said, if, if you don't want to get lazy and you want to walk in love, find people who know how to do that. Follow them. You know, some of the uh, greatest athletes or, or, coach, or fighters are people who've been coached. And, and, and the better your coach, man, the better your chances are of succeeding. I think that love is an undervalued tactic in spiritual warfare. I've seen this many times, that if you want to win battles, uh, one of the secrets is knowing how to love people. Now, I was this week having lunch with, or I was having coffee with my friend, Pastor Rusty Stans. So he's a Native American pastor. He spent many years uh, working um, in the oil and gas industry. He has a dissertation in mining. He's a PhD. He's a very intelligent man. He's traveled all over the world. And he also has a ministry. Right now he's retired. He's run a church out in Pryor. And Pastor Stans was telling me that he was invited to preach at a church in Colorado. And he had it all set up uh, with his buddy. They were going to do uh, a, a, some preaching at his friend's church. And he got a call uh, about a month before the meeting. And the pastor said, I'm sorry to do this, but we have to disinvite you. And, and so they were like, well, that, that's fine. Could you tell us why? We just want to know why we can't, why you, why you have to, you know, um, renege on your extension, your invitation. And the pastor, Hamden Hahn, finally admitted he was embarrassed to say it, but he had a man on his board, and the man said he just didn't feel like Native Americans had any business preaching. The man said that you know, manifest destiny when America went to conquer the West, like we were trying to conquer Indians, and so we shouldn't have them preaching. Now, just so you all know, that's called racism. And I know that probably a lot of us white people in the room haven't had any experiences with that. But Rusty was like, wow. Because this is like, you know, 20 years ago. 
So he said he's flying into Denver. The pastor picked him up, and the pastor said, hey, you don't know this, but one of the board members that had that is in the car. And he didn't know who Rusty was. You know what Rusty did? He said, every chance I get, I sat next to the man. I loved him. We went to breakfast. I talked to him. I engaged him about his family. And then he said, you know, we, we went to church, and I sat next to him on the front row. Everywhere he was, I was trying to be around him and put my hands up and worship God with him. He said, I just tried to express the love of God every chance I could get with him. That's how you fight battles. You love on people. That, that's how battles get turned around. You know, when Elizabeth and I get into arguments, a lot of times the way you resolve the argument is you just stop and start speaking love and staying calm. And I'm telling you, that is a tactic that turns battles around. So I'm grateful for Pastor Rusty because that was an example for me. Because, you know, it's a funny thing. This week on Facebook, I, <laughs> I made some people mad, and they commented on various things. And, you know, there's no point in getting worried about it. I just walk in love. You don't get to get caught up on other people's drama. You could just stay a person in love. That would fight. That's, you find people to imitate, find people to walk with that, that know how to do that. Love on somebody, man. And, and that is a fight. Yeah, and, and he said that in faith and patience is what inherit promises. Faith and patience. Yeah, so, you know, you've got promises that God has given you. One of the promises is the promise of eternal life. And that's something that's a gift. It, it, it comes by faith and grace. And you don't have to work for it. You didn't earn it. And, and that's what an inheritance is. It's something that has been given to you freely, probably by birthright. And... and you know, we've got that promise. We, we've also, I'm sure many of you in the room have personal promises that God has given to you. Maybe about a business, maybe about your family, maybe about your future. And sometimes it just feels like waiting on it is excruciating. Can I get a witness? Because I had to walk through some of these things. But God's timing is always perfect. Amen. And if you stay in the love of God and with faith and patience, you'll watch what he does. Man, he comes through in marvelous ways. And faith and patience inherit the promises. But, you know, I have to say, I think sometimes patience is painful because primarily you're dealing with people, and people wear you out. Ephesians chapter 4 says you ought to bear witness, or you ought to bear with one another in love. Be patient with people in love. And, man, it's a funny thing working with people sometimes. They, They can get angry. They get critical of you. Sometimes they get uh, you know, needy or they get emotional. And it's just like, man, sometimes you get wore out from the drama that surrounds people. That's just kind of the, the, the place we find ourselves a lot in life. But love is one of those things that if you know how to apply it, it helps you stay patient. Because I found when I'm impatient, and that does happen more than I'd like to admit, when I get impatient, it's like I can sense that love is like leaving the room. It's leaving my life. I start getting snippy. I start getting angry. You can feel your flesh rising up. And, and, and that is where the love of God is just drifting on out. Man, I'm grateful for God's love. The antidote for that is just to spend time with Jesus. Just spend time with him. When you start getting frustrated with people, uh, you know, I just try to get alone with the Lord. I like Elizabeth, my wife. She sometimes knows I need to go pray. She lets me spend time praying. Sometimes she needs time praying. So we can come down here, we can pray. Just spend time with the Lord. It will change perspectives. It will fill your love bank up, spending time with Him. Now, I like busting down the passage of Scripture, 
But I do want to go back to verse 10 and just highlight the first part of the verse. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. He is not unjust. You know, some people feel like God is unjust. They think he's forgotten about things they've done for him. We're about to partake of uh, communion. Communion is a meal that we take in remembrance of him. That's what Jesus said. He said, this do in remembrance of me. But his covenant is the reason why he remembers you and me. he got a covenant with us. That's what Exodus chapter 2 said. He heard the cries of Israel in the wilderness, and he remembered his covenant with them. Let me tell you something. God remembers you. God doesn't forget people. He remembered Noah when he was in the ark. He remembered Abraham when he promised him a son, and Abraham was seeking him. He remembered Rachel. She wanted to have a baby. He remembered his people in the wilderness, the psalmist said. He remembered a man named Cornelius whose alms came before God. And I'm telling you, he remembers you. He knows the very hairs on your head, even if you don't have many of them up there. He knows exactly what's going on in you. He knows. He's, so whenever you've made some labors, whenever there's been some sacrifice, some commitments, man, just think about it. He remembers the time you clean churches. He remembers the time you greet in foyers and hallways. He remembers when you worked with children and invested in their life. He, he remembers all the things that, that you gave in offerings for missionaries, man. He remembers those things. He, he keeps a count and a record, and he is not unjust to forget. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, man, we, we, uh, we're in a place here where I could use some more help at church, man. We, we have opportunities for people to serve and and be a blessing. I'm telling you, God doesn't forget you. He doesn't, He knows your name, He knows your hairs, He knows what you've done. He loves you. He's got a covenant with you, and, and He will be there with you. That is the way His love is demonstrated. And so this morning, as we're going to partake here of this communion meal, uh, I wanted to just take inventory of your love walk. And if you would stand up with me today, I, I want to just have us take a look within and ask ourselves these questions. Am I a servant? Who am I serving? And where am I serving? Is, is the, the love in my life, is it evidence somewhere? Am I putting forth an effort to love on people? Am I faithful and loyal? Am I a dependable person or am I overrated? Am I fighting the good fight? Am I patient with people? And let me just remind you why you should be because God is patient with you. He's patient. We need to be patient. And I thought these are things just to ask ourselves as we're partaking of the meal this morning and getting ready. Above all powers, above all thrones, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom, all the ways of man. You were here before the world began Above all kingdoms Above all thrones Above all wonders the world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're 
behind the stone You live to die Rejected and alone Like a rose Trampled on the ground You took the fall And thought of me Above all, above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the treasures of the earth. There's no way to measure what you're And crucified, laid behind the stone, you live to die, rejected and alone like a rose, trampled on the ground. Took the form and thought of me above all. Crucified, laid behind a stone, you live to die, rejected and alone like rose, trampled on the ground. You took Trampled on the ground, you took the fall. Thought of me above all. You know the, the love of God is so evidenced and demonstrated in this cup and this bread. I mean, I think about how Jesus' body was broken on the cross for you. All the things that He suffered, He shed His blood. And I, I was just saying a few minutes ago how I felt love internally. I haven't felt in my life in a long time. And uh, I just feel like that's growing in me. And that, that is my prayer. I, I want to pray as, as you partake of this meal. That the love of God would grow in your heart. That you would sense it, feel it, walk in it. And, and it would be something that starts to be evidenced and demonstrated everywhere you go with everybody you come across. You'd be a servant. You'd be faithful. You'd know how to fight the good fight. And I pray that over you in the name of Jesus. Let's go ahead and partake of this bread. Father, we thank you for this bread, body that was broken. Let's eat it now. And for the cup, blood that was shed for you and me, we're grateful. We're thankful. Thank you for your blood washing us head to toe, making us clean and white as snow. 
I thank you, Lord, for the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, I pray we'd be in greater communion with you, greater communion with the spirit of love. I pray it would ooze out of our lives. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Amen. Let's just take a moment. I, this is so strange. I just feel impressed in my spirit. I've never done this. Just stay with me for a moment. I, I feel like I need to give a word in tongues. So if you're new to that, hey, just, just bear with me here. I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to pray in the tongues for a moment here. And in this setting, Scripture says there needs to be an interpretation, and I just feel it welling out of me. And I want to just kind of pronounce this over you. I say that the love of God, which is deep and rich and merciful and magnificent and mighty, May it make you whole and powerful in the name of Jesus, in the word of God, in the strength of the Lord. I pronounce that as you leave this church building in this house, that today and the days to come, you're going to be a people that walk in the love and mercy of God. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Let's worship God for a moment. We're grateful that you came out to church today. I want you to know that we value you and we bless you. And if you need prayer, these altars are open. We believe in you, and we expect good things to come. If you're new to the church and you'd love to know more, we'd love to have you sign up for our Next Steps class, which is taking place March the 6th. We'd love to have you there with us. In, amen. Love you all very much.